Yo, plug me in. To episode five of the STEM Plug Podcast. Here at the STEM Plug Podcast, we are here to plug you in with amazing entrepreneurs and innovators within the STEM space. And today is no different. We have another amazing guest. And when I say amazing, I have to say amazing twice. It's Tiffany Tichi. Tiffany Tichi is a mechanical, a senior mechanical engineer, sorry. And want to get that wrong. Senior mechanical engineer. Um, she's a TEDx international speaker, and she's also an international best-selling author of some amazing books that I really, you know, admire. Really, even admire me to, you know, write my children's books as well. So she's the author of STEM Crew Kids. What can I be? Um, some amazing children books for for the youth, just to really get them into STEM. Um, so, Tiffany, we want to welcome you to the STEM Plug Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm excited for the conversation. And I'm just glad we're in this space. Me and you, we're in this journey together. So thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. For sure, for sure. I'm, I'm loving seeing the, seeing the books in, in the background. It's <laughs> definitely uh, inspiring just, just seeing all that. So we have your story, right, of, you know, you're the international TEDx speaker, you're a best-selling author within STEM and also a senior senior mechanical engineer, right? Let's kind of go back a little bit, right? Where did all this start? You know, how did you really first become interested um, in STEM and also engineering? Well, it all goes back to initially I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> I thought I could debate, but with the help of my mom, who was an educator, uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. They had my brother and myself. He's My brother ended up being a civil engineer. So both of us are engineers. Um, and so we were in a math and science Saturday academy. So every Saturday we would have to go to a math and science academy and go, um, you know, deal with math and science um, on a Saturday. And so from there, that was one thing that I learned how engineering and STEM played a role with it. And so also from the education side, that's it. But for my dad being an entrepreneur, his client was a civil engineer. And he said, hey, you might need to get your your kids into engineering. It's a great field. And so that is, that is called social capital, just to put it out there. So when you think about from the educational side to the meeting or hearing from others, as far as that engineering side, that's how I end up learning about it. I was that curious girl in class asking the questions in math class. And so be it that, I learned about how math and science was important as far as problem solving. And I was able to then go into becoming an engineer, going to, to school, I decided engineering and then decided mechanical engineering was the route I wanted to go because it was the most broadest of them all and I needed something that moved. And so that's why I decided to go that route. Okay. Okay. No, nah, that's, that's cool. You know, so it sounds like you were really, you know, interested into STEM ever since you were a young, a young child. Right. And that's amazing having that, I guess, uh, engagement myself. I, I can't, I can't say this thing. <laughs> I really didn't, um, really get interested into STEM until I really got into college. I would say in high school, my grades weren't, weren't the best, really wasn't as motivated. Um, and then come my senior year in high school, I really thought that, um, I thought I was wanted to be a lawyer. I thought I was like, maybe I'll go to college and study law. Um, but then once I got to college, I actually studied, 
biology. Um, so big change, right? Yes. From your journey of, you know, mechanical engine, being a mechanical engineer, right, to becoming an advocate uh, for STEM education, where did that journey come from, right? You have that experience um, within being a mechanical engineer, but now you're an advocate of STEM education. Can, can you kind of explain to us that journey? Right. So be it that I decided to go into a career where it's male-dominated field. There's not many girls or underrepresented minorities in the field. That's what made me say, okay, there's a need out there to make sure that we get some more representation. STEM representation matters. Um, it was one of those moments where I'm working in the field and it's not many representation in it. And it's like, I got to make sure that we get more and bring up to be able to do it. So the mentoring side of things of making sure that I bring that into the play, uh, bringing more um, girls, underrepresented minorities, um, being a part of organizations such as the National Society of Black Engineers, it's been a great way to make sure that I'm making an impact that people, as far as those that don't get to see it, have the access. My biggest piece is there's four different things that ties in with why I advocate about STEM. Um, our kids have to get exposure, opportunity, access, and knowledge. If we can get our kids exposed to that through STEM, I think that's really the key to try to get them exposed. And so that's been my biggest passion. Um, and then we'll get into why I decided to get the book going, but that's what pushed me because I go and have to talk. They asked us engineers, they asked the NSB, National Society of Black Engineers, Society of Women Engineers, Sweet, to go and talk to these kids. And so it's that passion where I've met these kids. They talk to me, they grow up and they say, by the way, I remember when you talked to me. I remember, and now they're engineers. Now they're in leadership in different positions. And that's what is really driving me to make sure that I'm continuing to make that um, that movement, not being a monument, but being a movement. And that's the biggest thing when it comes to being an advocate with STEM. Wow, wow. I have a similar story, uh, myself being from the, from the inner city of, of Philadelphia and now, you know, working in robotics. Um, there's not many people that look like me doing what I'm doing, right? Um, so when you, you know you're in these certain fields and you're seeing all the cool things that you're able to see, right, you just want to kind of just just share it with the world, right? That's amazing. I'm, I'm so thankful for you that you're doing all this for the community and just advocating STEM. For, with that being said, right, are there any misconceptions uh, that you get about STEM when you, you know, advocate STEM to, to, to parents or to different educators? Are there any misconceptions that you get from time to time? Yes, there are. <laughs> For boys, <laughs> let's talk about it. Oh, because a lot of times when I talk about me being in that that young girl, being in that math classes, we can get intimidated as girls. And so they think, oh, the boys can do it. But no, girls are just as smart and competent. And that's the thing we've got to instill earlier on with trying to see the representation. If they can see more of myself and those that's in those fields, that's going to be the encouragement. So no, it's not just the boys, but it's the girls as well. And so I'm an advocate for that piece of it. Um, another misconception is that math and science is boring. That's not true. <laughs> it's all about how we make it into real life, problem solving ways to show it, hands-on activities. If we can get our kids to see the big picture, we can make it fun. Math and science doesn't have to be boring. Uh, it can be fun. And it's how we approach it and show it to the kids, I think, is what we can do as far as STEM. Misconception is that there's not many jobs in it. That's a lie. The numbers do not lie. They're saying it's projected to be millions of unfulfilled STEM jobs that's out there. And so, yes, there are jobs out here that we need to get our kids exposed to early to get them to let them know that there are many 
opportunities that's out there. So those are three key ones that I would say have been misconceptions that we need to make sure that we make sure that they know that it is out there and available for our girls. It's represented underrepresented minorities, as well as doing the hands-on activities to let them know math and science is fun, as well as the whole, there are jobs out there for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think particularly, you know, within the STEM field, I think the thing that gets lost, everyone thinks math and science is so hard. And one of the things that, um, you know, I'm trying to do my part of just helping different educators is really, you know, helping helping kids to learn how to think critically, right? Um, so if you help kids to be problem solvers and be able to critically think different problems out, they don't think the problems are as hard, right? They just like, oh, this is math and science, but now I can kind of like, you know, think these things out, right? What advice do you uh, give to parent? Do you have for parents and educators who kind of want to, you know, foster interest in STEM among children? What advice do you kind of give to them? I would say advice would be start early. Get them exposed. There are so many ways you can get them exposed, the kids exposed to it. Uh, from books such as mine, like STEM Crew Kids Adventures, um, Building a Balloon Powered Car. That's an example. What can I be? STEM Careers from A to Z shows the A to Zs of different careers. Getting them exposed to job shadowing. You can start early. I talk to parents. I'm like, if there's a career out there, get our kids to go ahead and sit for a day. Go let them sit for a day under that career. Let them get exposed. So definitely, that's one way. As well as Activities as far as robotics. I ha- let me give you an example. Go ahead, plug it in. I got it in. So I've done some activities. I mean, I, I'm all about the visuals. Robotics. Let's talk about the different hands-on things. They can build it, but then the programmatic part of it is coding. So get our kids not only to build it, but also add the coding piece of it. And there's so many different activities where you're allowing your kids to get exposed. So those are some just just a little bit of tips of different things and advice. Get them exposed to job shadowing, get them to sit under someone, and then also having the hands-on activities, and then just making sure that they have some representation is the biggest thing, and utilizing books that tie in with STEM as well. Okay, okay. I love how you you plugged in in your book. That's a perfect uh, perfect segment, right? Like I said before, you know, I, I really look up to you, and you've really motivated me to you know, start my children's book journey. So let's, let's plug in, right? We have your, your background. You shared and told me, you know, just of you know, wanting to see more people like you within the STEM field. But creating a children's book is not an easy thing, right? I see that book. It's a lot of work, right? And a lot of, a lot of hours I know that you put into that. So what really motivated you, you know, write your children's book, What Can I Be? Um, STEM Careers from A to Z. Well, it was that moment. You always have that pivotal moment. I go and talk to the kids. I say, okay, how many is meta-engineers? Not many hands goes up. So after I've done the engineering fun presentation, I've done the hands-on activities like building your tallest towers with the spaghetti sticks to marshmallows and having those competitions and friendly conversations and teamwork. I said, at the end, how many is meta-engineer? So all hands should go up. And so from there, I said, oh, this is it. This is what I've got to do. I've got to put it in writing. So it was that moment where I realized the kids haven't met many that looks like this. Now they have the opportunity. So what is it? Put it in writing. So I decided to do that. And I saw a challenge on Facebook. (laughs) It was Crystal Swine Bates. And she said, how to publish your best-selling book in five days. So it was a challenge. I learned how to do it. And so when you talk about the process of it, it's a journey, but it's worth it because I know that I'm telling my story through books. And so that's what encouraged me to say, okay, I need to learn how to do this 
because these kids need to hear this. They need to see it and know that they can be it as well. And hence, what can I be? STEM careers, A to Z, alphabet book. I kept it simple. I'm not into rhyming. I said, oh no, this is this is gonna take longer than I need to. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me stick to the basics, to the alphabet book, and that's what started it off as far as writing the book as well. Wow, wow, that's 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 an amazing story. Just kind of how that all came together for you, right? When you first started writing your book, were there any doubts that came came in your head? Like, you know, I know me personally, when I started to uh, write my book, you know, I had definitely had those times and moments where I was started to, to doubt myself at times. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I, nah, that, nobody want to listen to this. But I'm so glad that I did it because the lives that you impact that you don't even know, right? So were there any, any doubts or anything that were coming through your head when you first started writing it? Yes. I mean, we all have these opportunities where you're like, is this really going to make an impact? And you have to always go back to your why. And when you write this book, you got to know what your why is. And I think that's really what pushed me to say, okay, I'm going to do this no matter what. And I don't know who it's going to impact, but I have to go back to my why. Why did I decide to do this? Because I want the representation, because I want these kids to be able to see themselves in these type of careers. And so, yes, I had those moments where how is how long is this going to take? How what is it going to take to get this? The process, learning the process, knowing what is going to be key words that I need to make sure that is the target audience. Learning the target audience, writing is important. You know what age group was I going to use? Like it was, it's a process because you can't just write to everybody. You can't write to all kids. You got to know what type of book, what age group are you writing for? I decided to go with the picture book. I wanted to go from five to eight year olds. I wanted to start there. So you got to know what type of age group, your target audience you're going to deal with. And then that process was, you know, knowing what is it that really is going to meet the needs of who I'm trying to tackle was the writing process of making sure that I had language and words that can be able to allow them to, to see it. The friendly, you know, having friendly, uh, user-friendly, kid-friendly, as far as illustrations, making sure I had that. So it's, it's a process, but yes, I had those moments, but I knew I had to go back to my why. And that's what made me keep pushing. Yeah, always going back to that why, right? I, I do the same thing uh, when you when you get down. Just when you got that why, it lifts you right back up, right? Mm-hmm. I follow you on, on social media, and I always see that you do a lot of, you know, book events, and you're out in the community, and you're really sharing your story, and the kids look like they really love love your book, right? So can you share with us a, a success story of, you know, maybe an impact that you made on a young reader just from – you know, sharing your book with them? I enjoy going doing those book events. The in-person is awesome. You know, you do the virtual um, different book readings and all that, but it's something about meeting the kids and signing books, autograph books. They get to meet the author. Not only am I making an impact sharing that I'm an engineer, that I that they can be in these careers, but I'm also sharing that I'm an author. When they look at the back of this book, they get to see me in it. <laughs> They don't get to see many of looks like this as well. So not only am I hitting the engineering side and the STEM side, but I'm also hitting the author side, the creative side. And so signing those books, I had a moment where it was two, three sisters, all different ages. And the oldest one was like, y'all need to realize y'all got an author here. She's author of this book and she wrote this book. And so she was encouraging. She understood it. She got it. And so it amazes me after I signed the book, we took the pictures. And then one of the young ones, the youngest ones, came back. She says, thank you for being in the book. <laughs> and it's just like moments like that where it's like, okay, 
I'm excited that I'm making an impact, especially with our young girls, little girls that now see themselves doing it as well. And so it's moments like that where I know I'm making a difference. And just hearing the parents, when I get the reviews, the testimonials, that their child is excited, they're reading it. Now they're going to do the robotics. Now they're getting ready to take it to the next level after they've read Robotics Engineer that I have in there, that they've read the different careers that they see themselves in it from veterinarian. And I'm like, go talk to your veterinarian. Go talk to the veterinarian. If you have a pet, I tell them, go job shadow on them. See what it's like if that's the career you want to do. And so those moments, is the, that's those moments where I'm excited that I'm making an impact when I make the signing of books. <laughs> um, and they come back and be like, wow. This is you. <laughs> and so that's it. That's really been what's been impactful, especially with the in-person um, events. That's cool. I appreciate you plugging that in. It's crazy about just, you know, the impact that you really can make on people that you don't even know, right? Now, you you probably changed the, the generation of these kids' life, right? And uh, when I look at uh, impact, I look at it from an exponent point of view. Like, you're not only impacting that child's life, you know, maybe impacting when they have kids, just the way that they're thinking, just different things that they're able able to see. Um, so that, that's dope. But we got to plug in some more, right? You told us about one book, What Can I Be, right? But now you have a whole nother series that's coming out, that's out, right? Plug us in with your your new book series, uh, STEM Crew Kids. Just just plug us in. Let, let us Tell us a little bit more about this uh, this new series and what – you know, I know you already had that inspiration, but to, to go into another whole series, right. how, how did this come about? Well, before I go there, I have to put in the rest of the stuff that's tied in it. So when you talk about creating a book, I had to make sure I had some more supplement. You want to make sure they get some other stuff. So with the What Can I Be STEM Careers from Agency, it's now a color and activity book. It's a guided journal. I have it translated in Spanish, French, and Swahili. I'm actually about to have it translated in, in Italian because I'm about to go to Italy. Uh, in July. So I'm excited. So why not get it in Italian as well? And so this new one that just came out um, is the STEM Crew Kids. And I also have that also as a teacher's guide. So I work with a curriculum writer to make sure that book was in there. But STEM Crew Kids Adventures is now, um, it's a series. This first one just came out and it's building a balloon powered car. And with it, I have it where I have Ruth, is one of the main characters in it, but the STEM crew kids is in there and they're just building. They're going through teamwork. They're learning how to be able to work together uh, when they're talking about building a balloon powered car. And I also, let me tell y'all, I, I have a plug in here of my of Auntie Tiffany, the mechanical engineer is also in this book. Um, <laughs> so I had to make sure, you know, she's holding what can I be STEM careers from A to Z. So Auntie Tiffany is influencing her to become an engineer as well in this book. And so, it's amazing the journey that these STEM crew kids are going into. And I don't know if you see the R up there, but I have trademark STEM crew kids as well. And so trademarking is important as well. And so I'm excited um, with the book. And so it's getting ready to be additional ones. They're going to do different hands-on activities. When I talk about the power of it, first one's the balloon-powered car they're building. The next one actually, I have it ready. I just got to get the illustration going. It's going to be rocket ships. So they're going to be building a rocket ship next. And so wow. the sky's the limit on the series it's going to go. So not only now alphabet book, but now I've got a whole storyline that they can do hands-on activities with them. Wow. You, you, you plug, you plugging it in right there and not going to miss that, that plug that you dropped about just about, about trademark. Um, that's so, so important about protecting your brand. Um, I just recently filed a few trademarks myself. 
That's very important, right? So what what age range is is uh would you say this book is for? Five to eight year olds, still elementary, K through two, um, probably third graders can read it as well, but it's just a good storyline to help them get exposed um to teamwork, working together, how you can build and just stimulate the mind and design process and putting it together and working as a team. And so five to eight year olds, K through two, um, elementary age dependent. Okay. You know, one of the things I really, uh, you know, love about your story is just, you know, sometimes we're we're in one lane, right? And we think we can only be in that one lane. But you really took your your experience of being a, a senior mechanical engineer and then you went, you know, to writing books. Now you've created an entire publishing journey. And you also, you're a well-announced speaker, right? You've actually talked on a TEDx platform, right? Internationally, don't don't, don't let me uh, undercut that part. So, what what topics do you usually uh, address when you when you do your public speaking and when you uh, out and about? Well, definitely with the TEDx talk, which I had the opportunity to take advantage of with the University of South Africa. When you talk about having a vision board, a vision board is important because I had going to travel to South Africa, going to do a TEDx talk, and it all happened all at once. Sharing my books in Africa, and so I was able to do a TEDx talk on STEM. My book, tied in STEM, the importance of STEM um, with our parents taking advantage of that. So the talk was mostly about encouraging them about STEM, talking about the unfulfilled um, jobs that's out there for our kids and just trying to let them know that they need to get their ch- children in STEM. So whatever I'm talking about is relevant to the work that I'm doing and why not tie it in with STEM. So the topics I deal with with the TEDx talk is tied with STEM and trying to encourage them to see that they can get their kids in it. And so it was an amazing experience um, to be able to do a TEDx talk, um, to be able to, uh, not only TEDx talk, I did the, the stage, but then I also did a panel with children book authors as well. And so we also got to talk about our children's books um, and just encouraging the kids to get exposed to these type of books that we are putting out here as children's book authors. And so the TEDx talk is amazing. Um, it's impactful. It changes the whole stage of things, of platforms, and I'm all about, yes, you have a book, but it's more than a book. You got to leverage your book. And so, yes, you become an author, but it's a business. And so as I thought about it, when you become an author, it changes the whole mindset. So I became a speaker. I always, I've been doing Toastmasters. It's another thing. I'm a distinguished Toastmaster. So I enjoy speaking in general um, and getting on stages. So when the TEDx talk came, it was amazing to put that platform, be on that platform as well. And so... That's really the topics I've talked about with TEDx, with the public speaking side of things. It's tied with STEM. Yeah, that's a, that's another great plug right there, right? Just once you're off, it's an entire business, right? It just opens up so many different lanes for you. So you you have a lot that you kind of dive into, right? And I really want to know, like, really, how do you really balance uh, your work as a senior mechanical engineer and your roles as an offer? advocate and a speaker how do you how do you balance all of this what, what what's your what's your ways what, get, give us the sauce so when when you talk about balance i really call it work life harmony or work life integration it's tough to say balance i say how do we integrate all of this into the work that we do and so that's really how i've been able to approach it um i definitely have a calendar i make sure that i'm balanced as far as the harmony and the integration piece that i'm making sure that i'm uh, still allowing time for me um, in between there because it can give, sometimes have the moments where you're over, I'm overwhelmed. I've also learned to have to delegate. This has been a year of delegation. I have virtual assistants. I'm learning to 
not do it all myself. So I do have a team of outsourcing and delegating. And that's what I've learned. So when you see a lot of the posts, <laughs> the creativity piece of it, it is being where I have a virtual assistants. I have delegated, which is allowing me to make sure that I'm not doing all of it myself. And because I've learned that in the business, that's been one of the biggest pieces. And let me put it out there. I'm also a PhD student. <laughs> and so I'm getting my own PhD in leadership studies and it's tied still with STEM. I'm at North Carolina um, A&T um, doing distance learning state university. And I'm also balancing that as far as integrating that piece into it of becoming a PhD student. And so learning the whole work-life integration and work-life harmony has been the biggest piece of being able to make sure I delegate and then also have time for myself in the process. And time with my family and friends as well. Okay. Wow. You just you plugged us in with a lot right there. Okay. I I got I gotta rethink that word of uh of balance now. So I, I appreciate that. That's great. So I guess with all that being said, right, how do you really, I guess, look at when you're approaching um, you know, trying to make, you know, engaging content for 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 children? How do you go about that in your materials? How do you approach creating engaging content? I mean, I look at the different things that's out there. You say as far as what is trending might be things. What is it that's really what kids need to make sure that they're learning? And then you sometimes have to go to the foundation. Keep it simple. You can't be in all these big terms and everything when it comes to writing for kids. That's why the children's book is a whole different ball game. And when it comes to the illustrator, working with an illustrator, Let's talk about that whole process of a children's book and writing and the content. I had to make sure that it's kid friendly. I did a test. I did a focal group, focus group with some friends that had kids that were that age. And I said, which one with these illustrations, test simple, is more kid friendly. And so I made sure that some of them were sophisticated. I was like, no, kids can't. This, it's good. And I did the astronaut, A is for astronaut. And I was like, okay. Yes, this is an astronaut, but it's got to be kid friendly. And so that's the key things when you're talking about writing, when you're talking about the illustrations, make sure that it's kid friendly and that the kids are going to want to be able to be engaged. You got to keep them engaged. Their attention span can go just like that. And so when you're writing, those are key contents to make sure that you're involving with. Now, when you're talking about parents and trying to encourage them, showing examples of different things and results and examples from that end, I think it's been big as far as the content of what value can come out of learning and doing these hands-on activities with these kids. And so that's been the biggest piece of trying to encourage parents, educators, as well as the kids to see themselves in these careers um, itself, writing it. So keeping it simple. <laughs> that's a great plug. So, you know, you, you have an amazing journey, everything that you, you shared with me, definitely motivating to, to all of our listeners, definitely motivating to me, right? But I'm someone that really learns... Um, as well of, you know, just what someone has went through, right? So has there been any specific hurdles or, or setbacks um, in your career? And how, how did you really overcome them to, like, continue going on? You know, Because it's a mountain, right? It's, it's curves in the mountain. Sometimes things happen, and we, we have to get ourselves up, but it, it makes us even better, right? So are there any hurdles that you ever had to really go through? As I spoke, my, my father was an advocate to make sure his – I was a daddy's girl – was – where I need to be, he looked out for me. He always said, be anxious for nothing. And so at the age of 25, I actually lost my father um, to cancer. And so that was one hurdle that, you know, I met, I was blessed to be able to have him up until that age group. As some don't even get that opportunity. And so from his encouragement, 
um, being able to see me graduate, be able to do the commencement speech um, at my graduate, when I got my engineering management degree, to, to see me up until when I got a house at that age. But unfortunately, he passed away. And so dealing with loss is one thing that I had to deal with, with the passing of my father. And then as I went through the career stage, I actually dealt with a layoff. <laughs> and you never know what might happen, but it was one of those pivotal moments when I was trying to find a job during that layoff. And one of the recruiters said, you know what? Your resume is fine until you decide to stop being complacent and staying where you are. You're going to be stuck where you are. And it was one of those pivotal moments where I said, you're right. So I had to, after all those interviews, doing all that, I had to think, okay. So I started looking outside and I was blessed with the opportunity to get my job back where I was working with and get my service hours, but I had to go to a new location. <laughs> and so you know, you never know the opportunities that happen, when it happens, timings, everything. And so, yes, I got laid off, but it was that moment of changing the mindset where I learned, okay, I can't be complacent. There's a reason why things happen. And so, although I had to relocate, I was able to get my job back, get my service years back. Um, and so I'm going, what, 15 years with the company? And so the sky's the limit, 19 years in the industry. And so you never know what opportunities or reason why things happen the way they happen. Yes, it was an experience. I did get laid off. It wasn't, a, it wasn't, but I challenged my mind. I was volunteering during the process. I couldn't stay in the house because I would have been depressed. Thankful for uh, my mom and God and those that were supportive of me during that process. But it was that moment when the recruiter said, you, your resume is good, <laughs> but you're being complacent and don't be complacent. And that's when I opened up my mind and was able to do that. So yes, we all have different things that happen, but be reminded that there are lessons that can come out of it. And that's what I can say has come out of the different obstacles that I've been able to take part in. And I'll give one more just to say, I've experienced being able to deal with being a, a, a female in the industry. I've walked into a conference room with a vendor, a vendor of a, equipment, and he shook hands with everybody except for me. And I said, I know he sees me. <laughs> and it was that moment where I shook hands and said, by the way, my name is Tiffany Tichi. I'm a responsible engineer. And it's like you have to sometimes bring awareness, maybe check them, <laughs> let them know, hey, I'm just as competent. Because a lot of times we can get as females um, in the industry itself as an admin. And so those are those moments where you have to let them know I'm just as competent. I'm just as it's a value to be valuable to be in this room. And so those are those moments where I deal with being a female, African-American female in the in the industry itself, engineering. So, yeah. That's an amazing story, right? And so so what would you what would you say for people that are in the STEM, the STEM industry or, or STEM advocates? What can really be be done of, of a help to, you know, really bridge that that gender gap within STEM? Once again, it's awareness. Bringing awareness, representation matters. Going out, talking to these kids, I think is big. Letting them see the different representation has been the biggest piece. It's really about STEM awareness and letting uh, employers, to in, when you're talking about um, internships, making sure that there is some diversity with these internships for college students that are wanting to intern. Um, I think that's the biggest piece. Who are you bringing to the table when it comes to seeing the opportunities um, and putting them in the seat as far as, and I talk about mentorship and sponsorships. If we can get that, there's a difference. Mentors are those that can advise, give you that. But when you have a sponsor, it's someone in that room who can vouch for you when you're not there and say, hey, Tiffany's just as valuable. She can actually do that job. 
And I think that's some other things that need to take place with um, trying to encourage those to get into STEM. Having those mentors, having those sponsors, having coaches, having those that's going to be able to get them in the space to be able to be have a seat at the table. My quote from Shirley Chisholm is, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And so that's what I'm talking about is making sure, and if, or build your own. <laughs> and hence, I'm there having a seat at the table, but I built my own by doing what I'm doing with the with trying to encourage more to see themselves in the business itself as far as STEM itself. So that would be some advice I would give as far as trying to get more um, awareness in STEM. That's dope. Well, I, I definitely think you're doing your part. And I'm, you know, I'm doing my part as well. Of just, you know, there's women like you all around the world that are doing amazing things in STEM that we need to continue to plug in to, you know, so the next generation can just really see everything that's, um, you know, going on really, right? Um, so with that being said, right, my one of my last questions I just want to ask you is, like, what is the legacy um, that you're looking to leave behind just within STEM education and just advocating STEM as well as what you're publishing? What is the legacy that you're looking to leave behind? I want to make sure that I'm leaving behind the opportunity for more representation, that now I can say the future is bright and have it really be shown for our kids. Um, I'm an advocate of making sure that we get more representation. So my legacy is to say, okay, we got this representation and that, and there's another quote from Shirley Chisholm, I'll talk about it again. Um, Service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living here on earth. That's what I do, serve. And so while I'm here, I want to make sure that I'm leaving that um, seed, planting the seeds so that the service that I'm doing is not in vain. And so that's why I do what I do. Um, and hopefully others will do it as well and not just be selfish. Don't be selfish. You got to make sure that others get that. And that's the legacy I want to make sure that I'm leaving. Wow. That's amazing. Well, this was a, a legacy podcast right here. I appreciate you plugging in everything with that. So with that being said, how can our listeners plug in with you? Can you give us your social medias, your website? Where can we get the book? We we need to plug in everything so we can make sure that the listeners can, you know, go out there and buy all these wonderful books for their kids. Or even if they don't have any kids, they can buy the one thing about books, right? As a child gets older, it's still gonna be there. So plug plug in everything for us. Well, thank you. I wanna say thank you for this opportunity. So yes, the ways that you can get in touch with me is actually I have a free gift, STEM gift. Go to www.stemistheway.com. And from there, you can get 10 STEM scholarships and organizations ebook. And then you can also get access to the books. Um, and of course, at Tiffany Tichi, and it's Tiffany with an I. I always have to put it out there. <laughs> um, and those are the different social media platforms. I mean, as far as from Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, I mean, at Tiffany Tichi um, is the way to find me as well. And then as far as, like I said, www.stemistheway.com is a way to get that free ebook as well as to get access towards my book, which is excited to be able to share with so many. And of course, TiffanyTichi.com. Thank you. Okay. Well, we appreciate you, Tiffany, for sharing your amazing uh, STEM story as a senior mechanical engineer, as well as everything that you do with STEM education and advocating STEM. Truly appreciate you for plugging in. Um, thanks again.